Welcome to Season 1 of the Unsung Battles Podcast. I'm Ian Anderson, and I'm on a mission to understand the tactics and the truths that men use to overcome their darkest days. Just like your physical body, your mental strength needs to be trained and developed. Everyday men fight battles against personal tragedies, mental illness, addiction, suicide, injustices, and other seemingly insurmountable obstacles. By sharing the power in these stories, I believe they will fortify our minds and encourage the bond of brotherhood. Whether you're listening for yourself or in an effort to help another, men capable of winning in mental combat are needed. So let's get to work. Welcome to the Unsung Battles Podcast. I'm Ian. Wanted to thank you all for finding this episode. It's been a couple months now since I've released one, and I've thought a lot about how to explain that gap, and I feel like everything that I come up with sounds like an excuse. Um, What I think others will relate to is that the last couple months I've I've been losing some battles. You know, when I started out this podcast, I shared some of the the things that I was trying to do to live my life better with this challenge of of mental illness and and trying to live with better mental health in mind. Um, I laid out some of my routines and I kind of had this mindset of like, okay, no going back. This is this is the new direction. We're going to keep moving forward. And I fell off some of those routines and I felt inadequate. I felt like I was lying because I'd made that public of how I was going to live my life. And if I wasn't doing that, then I was unworthy to be doing this podcast. And so after I missed that first episode, things just kind of spiraled down quick. And I let those thoughts take hold and it kind of fed off the depression. And it just, it's been a rough couple of weeks. It's, I'm not going to lie, it's been rough, but I don't know. I feel like so often we talk about these moments of, you know, when you get knocked down, you get back up as like an event, you know, like someone got knocked down and they got back up and they kept going. And I don't know how everybody else is, but I feel like it's just a constantly getting knocked down. Like, it's not like I got knocked down and I got back up and then I kept going. It was like I got knocked down, I tried to get to my knees, and then it hit me further down. And then I stumbled up and tripped, and I rolled down the hill. And like it just, it's not, it's not an event. It's a, it's like a way of living. Like you're going to get knocked down and held down. And there's going to be days where you can struggle as much as you want to try and get back up and it is going to hold you there. And I feel like it's this question of like, are you going to continue to try despite knowing that you, you, you physically can't get up? Like, I, I don't know how to explain it, but I feel like there are those days where it's like, it doesn't matter how hard I struggle. I'm not seeing the results that I feel like normally should be there. And then it becomes the question of, Am I going to continue to struggle regardless? There's this song lyric that I heard the other day that it was basically the idea of 
Should I struggle to get back up if the bottom is where I'm destined to be? And I don't know if that's a hopeful thing or a really depressing thing. Yeah, sorry, I'm kind of just like going through a moment myself here, but um, I don't know, it just, that's the question, right? Like, are you gonna keep going? And that's not gonna look the same every day. Um, you know, some days, I, some days just breathing and sticking around is monumental effort. And that's what's so difficult about this is it's, you know, mental health is just, it's so unique to each individual. There's principles and there's um, experiences that can be similar, but really everybody has their own experience with mental health, especially when we start getting into stuff like mental illness. What I'm trying to get at after that bit of a ramble is don't let it keep you down. There's going to be days that as much as you struggle, you don't see results that you want. My hope is that you keep struggling, keep trying to get up. And I know that's not an easy ask, but I hope that you'll continue to struggle and keep going forward and recognize that as much as it doesn't feel like it, like there's days that are going to be better. And in the moment, I hate hearing that. I'm not going to lie. When people tell me that stuff, I'm like, yeah, right. And it's just an illogical moment, but that's, that's, that's literally how it feels is things will not get better. Anyways, I'm starting to ramble. The point I'm trying to make is I'm trying to get back up. I'm trying to get back at this podcast. And what's motivating me to do it is the stories that I've heard of others going through. They need to be told. They need to be shared. Um, they can have an impact on other people's lives than just my own. And I want them to have that opportunity to have those impacts. So that's why I'm back. With that said, there are some changes I need to make to... To allow me to continue to be consistent in this podcast without overwhelming myself. Um, one of the ways that I was doing that was the social media stuff. It's just not, I was trying to force this post every day, be this, you know, person that's always on social media and knows what to say and, and has something to say and um, just being in front of a camera. It's, it's not me. And so I am going to step back from doing that as much. I still plan on posting when we have new episodes and, and little bits and pieces here and there. So with that said, I'm super grateful to dive into Dave's episode because I'm not going to lie. He, when I was editing it, it felt like it was exactly what I needed to hear after going through these last couple months. He brings a great perspective, very focused on wanting to help others and learning from shared experience. So excited to dive into this. Thank you for uh, coming and listening, and let's get into it. Dave, great to have you on. Glad we're able to connect and, and start doing some recording. Uh, um, welcome to the Unsung Battles podcast, my friend. Yeah, I'm stoked. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, you bet. Uh, usually like to jump right into it. Could you give everybody kind of just a little bit about yourself, um, what, you know, high level or what you would like us to know about you? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I can give you a quick outline. Uh, I'm 31, youngest of four kids in my family. Fortunate to have a really close family growing up for the most part. You know, we had our issues and everything, but good family. I've got great friends. Um, spent the first 30-ish years of my life in Utah. And then for the last 15 months or so, I've been out here in Florida. Most of my family has migrated out this way. For the most part, I feel like I've had a 
pretty lucky, fortunate life, good family, good friends, relatively good health, um, bumps along the way, you know, some mental health struggles with depression. Um, you know, I've had some close, uh, family and friends who have had challenges that have been, you know, I'm, I'm empathetic, so that's difficult for me to deal with. Um, but I, I like to be there for people and, and talk through what they're going through. I like to share my own challenges, um, just to kind of help grease the wheels for other people who are maybe nervous about sharing stuff about themselves or opening up. <clears throat> I feel very comfortable doing that. But overall, um, you know, I'm at a pretty good place in my life, uh, despite some, you know, bumps along the way. Um, I work in tech. Uh, I've worked in support for pretty much my whole life. I uh, just kind of worked my way up through. So I'm a director at a, a crypto fintech. I got into crypto a few years ago, and it's just a really exciting place to work. Stuff is changing all the time. Right now is a particularly wild time to be a part of it. But honestly, overall, frankly, my favorite thing in the world is just connecting on like a really deep uh, intellectual, emotional level with other people. Um, so talking about real shit. So surface level conversations are kind of my nightmare. Small talk, um, this type of format, deep conversations about what really kind of makes a person who they are or how they're going to be, you know, how they are. That's, that's my jam. So I'm, I'm really excited for this. Yeah. I'm super excited to hear that. Cause that's what this is all about. And I'm not very good at the small talk either, which is why we usually <laughs> jump into things pretty quick. Uh, once we mm -hmm. get kind of a, a general overview, kind of get a sense of you as a person. So super excited to have you on and kind of ready to dive a little deeper. Um, one of the questions that I'd like to start out with is what is your current outlook on life or how would you describe your outlook on life at the moment? It's a pretty unique time for me. Uh, I actually <clears throat> just went through a separation with my wife of or partner of 10 years just a few months ago. And so, uh, you know, that's a huge adjustment. Um, she and I are really, really close. We still are We're best friends. She's absolutely one of my best friends. Uh, we're again, it's another area. You'll, I'll probably talk about this a lot where I just feel really fortunate, you know, despite things not working out, it's genuinely very amicable. We talk every day. We're very supportive of each other. You know, she and I earlier today, were just talking about what she's doing with her job and, you know, some new opportunities that have come up and I'm excited for her and she's, you know, excited to share that with me. So. Um, we do really well at being good friends. You know, we just, we had a hard time getting the, uh, you know, long-term partner relationship, relationship stuff quite right. Uh, there were just some differences in kind of how we communicate and, and what we need and our expectations and stuff there. Um, but I feel really fortunate that it's been amicable. So even though it's been difficult, <clears throat> uh, to go through, I feel really fortunate that it's there, but, um, this is probably a pretty good time for us to be doing this anyways, because the dust has kind of settled from a lot of that emotionally, although there are certainly days that it's a challenge. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not used to living by myself uh, first time in, you know, nine years or, or actually really pretty much my whole life. That that's been the case. So a lot of adjustments there. But I would say my my outlook on life, I'm very much so a realist. I'm very logical, very practical. Um, I also feel very deep emotions. So there's kind of that you know, that, that split in me that kind of surprises people sometimes, depending on if they catch me at work in the right mood, you know, I'm just all business. It's just, I can parse through data and, and think very logically and very, very critically. I think like, I probably think this guy's a little bit of a robot or just, I don't know what's going on there. And then, you know, if, if anybody's having a hard time or, or even if I'm having a hard time, um, I'm very comfortable opening up, you know, my, my employees and my coworkers as, a, as is appropriate. 
Um, you know, they know if I'm having a rough day, I like to just let them know so that they know they can be humans at work and be humans with me. Um, cause again, that like connection with people is, is really important to me overall. Um, definitely positive. I, I think that, and we can get into this whenever you want, but I, I think that in particular, because of my challenges with depression and what, like some of the resiliency that I've built up in working through that, um, I still, I still deal with it today, but it's at a much more minimal degree than it was when I was younger. Um, I think working through that has, has taught me a lot about just like everything gets better and time passes and fixes a lot of things, even just on its own without us doing all that much, let alone if we're working hard to try to, you know, do our best as we work through things. So definitely positive, but I'm also a realist. I don't shy away at all from like today sucked or, you know, tomorrow is probably going to suck. Um, but I'm, I'm also like, a you know, I'm not going to get down and, and depressed about what's coming up before it happens. Cause oftentimes it's not nearly as bad as we think it's going to be. Uh, I try to do my best to just go with the flow and just kind of let things happen and make the most of it. Um, I tend to be pretty flexible, you know, if things go wrong as I'm traveling around vacation or something, try to laugh it off and just make the most of it. Cause there's nothing that I can do about it necessarily other than just try to make the most of it. And have, have definitely adopted that through other areas of my life as much as I can too. Um, all that being said, and I'll wrap up this thought is just like, sometimes stuff does just suck though, you know, and, and I get down and I'm not going to try to shy away from that either. When I'm having a day where I'm just like, I can't be my self that I want to be. Uh, I'm grateful that I have people around me that will let me be a little salty. Let me be, you know, a little bit shorter, less enthusiastic, less positive, and, and they'll help carry me through it. I love that outlook. I feel like you have a very realistic approach and mature approach to facing depression as well in that, I know, for instance, in my case, I've, I've spent a lot of, a lot of years trying to cure it or get rid of it, or, you know, trying to, to rid myself from that challenge. From what I'm hearing you say is, is you very much accepted that that's a part of your life and are doing the best with it. Have you always had that outlook in life? Did this um, take some time and effort to build up or Kind of what was the path to where you're currently at? No, the first few years of depression, and I don't even know how long I would say, I'd have to think back, but probably the first three, at least three years, it was like, I can't live with this. And to be honest, the degree to which I was experiencing it, especially the, yeah, the first three years, it certainly wasn't livable. I've experienced quite a few bouts of being suicidal. Uh, particularly, so junior year of high school is when my depression really hit me, seemingly out of nowhere. Um, I've worked with myself and with therapists to try to figure out, was there a catalyst? Was this environmental? Um, all signs seem to point to no, like really just chemical for me, but you know, who knows? But yeah, the first few years really were not sustainable if things were to stay how they were. And I was like, you know, I, I need to cure this. I need to be rid of this. I can't reach my life's goals or be who I want to be with this. Um, and it, it certainly was a slow burn. I don't think that there was towards um, realizing this is just going to be a part of my life. I think the the catalyst for me was once I started to see that some of the efforts that I was putting into mitigating the impact my depression had on me and just some of the you know coping mechanisms and tools that I was developing, seeing seeing those start to pay dividends and seeing improvements in like depression flares up, you know, I get nervous because I'm like, oh man, I know how this goes. I, you know, I deploy all my tactics or, you know, I'm already doing some of the things that I have just uh, been in practice to do to mitigate things. 
and it's not as bad as the time it was before, you know, and then again, and it's not as bad as the time. That's when I kind of realized like, okay, this has been going on three, four, five years plus. Um, it doesn't seem like it's fully going anywhere, but it seems like I'm getting more of a handle on it and learning to cope with it, deal with it better. Um, so maybe the perspective should shift towards like, how can I actually learn from this, leverage this to help other people? I started to think more about it that way, as opposed to just like, this really sucks that this is happening to me and look at how it's slowed me down in life, et cetera. I think that was the catalyst for me. Give me an idea of some of these tactics that you were employing and how you measured or could tell that they were working for you. So <clears throat> the first few months uh, up to really the first year of my depression, I want to make it clear that like my my mom carried me through that first year completely. I had no idea what was going on with me. And I mean, she didn't either, but she wasn't experiencing depression and she was torn up by what she was seeing me go through. You know, before depression, I was very type A, high energy, extremely social, never was constantly like spending time with other people and, you know, seemingly relatively overnight became withdrawn, not a lot of social batteries, like not a very positive outlook about a lot of things, wanted to sleep all the time, didn't want to go to school, had very negative outlooks about, I didn't care about graduating high school, never thought that I would care. Um, and she carried me through all of that, got me into therapy. Uh, first therapist that I had was not great. He was uh, a year away from retirement and it was pretty obvious. He was a little bit checked out, so didn't have great luck to start, but that was just really the first few months. And then started seeing somebody who was much younger, much more enthusiastic, really wanted to dig in and try to help me. His name is Jason. Um, and and he, he got me thinking about things, um, self-analyzing in ways that I hadn't done before. Um, he got me in to see this nurse practitioner, Wendy, who I saw for the subsequent probably 10 years after that, um, who was an incredible um, help to me. She was similarly minded in that she wanted to take an approach that was going to work for me, logical, not just toss medications my way all the time and just see what stuck like spaghetti on the wall. And instead, like wanted to really figure out what was going to work for me. So in my conversations with her, I think she was the most fundamental um, in terms of helping me figure out some of my strategies and techniques for dealing with it. She helped me realize that the biggest trigger for me to either feel good or feel bad, uh, to put it simply, was my energy level. I wasn't sleeping well, which was new for me prior to depression. I was one of those who could fall asleep anywhere, anytime, sleep as long as I needed, didn't need as much sleep. And all of a sudden I needed a lot more sleep. It was more difficult to get it. I started becoming much more diligent about my sleeping routine, you know, and it took a lot of experimentation. We're talking years um, of, of trying out different things. Cause you know, I'd have a job where I was on a nine to five and then, you know, th this is my late teens, early twenties. And, and then I'd have a job where I'm working until three in the morning. And so, you know, there's a time in my life where I had a job where, you know, I'd work from like 1 PM to 4 PM. And then I'd work from like midnight to 4 AM. Um, maintaining consistent sleep schedules, plus getting in social hours and things like that on a schedule like that is really difficult. So overall, uh, what I've settled on is I'm really strict about my sleep schedule. My friends all know that I'm the old man of the group, 9 PM, 10 PM rolls around and I'm winding down. I'm, I'm ready to go to sleep. It's, it's very rare, even on weekends that I'll break that schedule. Things have shifted a little bit since I moved to Florida because most of my friends are in Utah and I'm a gamer and I connect with them online. So 9 or 10 PM, my time here is like as they're getting off work and, and getting on. So I've, 
I have shifted my schedule a little bit, but sleep is a, a huge center of focus for me. I'm really careful about my caffeine intake. Just basically doing anything that either I've read about or heard about could help or through personal experience I've found. And so I found that working out <clears throat> to basically drain my energy effectively um, before I'm ready to go to sleep is a huge help. But overall, those two things, being really consistent about my sleep uh, schedule and then making sure that I'm active so that by the time that you know time of night rolls around, I'm ready to go to bed, that I actually feel tired because it's going to take me 30 to 45 minutes to fall asleep, even if I'm really diligent about all these things. And then that gets me close enough. I still don't sleep great. I rarely feel like I wake up and I have enough energy, but it is enough to keep me even keel at the least and let me keep doing some of the other things that give me joy and motivation and hope and, um, you know, interest in like moving forward with my life. I really like that you've set up what works for you and you're protecting it. Um, cause I know some, a trap that I've fallen into and I've kind of seen this pattern in other places as well as I think too often we get into this mindset of, I want the, the problem to change, to fit my life rather than I'm going to make the adjustments to live the life I want to be able to live despite what I'm facing. Would you say that you've always been focused on that experiment approach, find what works and move forward? Because it makes it sound like a very straight path, like I did these things and it worked out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even as a kid, uh, actually a source of conflict for my dad and I, who we're incredibly close now, but things were really rocky at different points in my childhood for a number of reasons, but one of them was, you know, can you go mow the lawn? And every time I'd mow the lawn, I'd do it differently because for whatever reason, I'm hardwired to figure out the most efficient way to do something. And if I feel like the way I'm doing it is not efficient, it drives me crazy until I can figure out a better way to do it. It's been helpful in my career. One of the downsides of it is I'm a fixer. So in relationships, I tend to focus on what can we do, you know, stereotypical meme worthy guy stuff. Uh, but that really is just how my, my brain is hardwired, but that was helpful in my journey. There were times where somebody like, you know, my nurse practitioner, Wendy, or my therapist, Jason, or my mom, or somebody else needed to tell me like, look, there's nothing you can do about this right now. You need to just be patient, stay calm, not get frustrated that you don't have a lot of control over what's going on and give it some time. Um, that was, that was probably one of my, you know, nonlinear challenges was <clears throat> the times where I would get stuck emotionally, professionally, personally, et cetera. And it would start to bleed into how I could manage my mental health. Um, but again, I have people that have been there to sort of help counter that and help me realize like, you just need to be patient um, if, if it makes sense and and the, the kind of dots align. I think something that's been really helpful for me that I try to share to as many people as, as I can is that like, there are very few ideas beliefs, perspectives of mine that I'm married to. Um, because of this sort of experimenter perspective that I have, I'm always looking to find the best path forward, not to stick to the path that I have historically been on. And so I'm not only open to, but I actively seek out people to challenge the way that I'm thinking about something, the way that I'm doing something. And I do my best to respond in a way that's very encouraging as opposed to you know, immediately defensive or critical of, you know, them sharing contrary thoughts to, to how I'm doing something or thinking about something. And 
a big part of that is I grew up very religious and had a, you know, a falling away from that religion. And that used to be like a huge part of my life. I thought for sure, absolutely. This was 100% true. And, and that changed for me to where I very much so believe that it's not true. Um, and when you kind of have a really essential, two essential pillars of your life upended, the first one being, I felt like I had a great handle on my life and what my trajectory was, you know, I felt like I had all the tools and then depression hits. And then I start to get that under control. You know, I go on an LDS mission. I have this experience there. And essentially within, you know, the matter of a, a couple months, it's like, I don't believe any of that is true. All of a sudden I have to rediscover so much about myself. Those two experiences made me realize I know nothing. And that the more that I have learned and the more that I know, the more I realize that I really don't know that much. Um, all of that to say, it, it, it hasn't been linear sometimes it feels like it has been just because of the way that I sort of see the world and problem solving and things like that. I kind of just tend to see one like problems as one thing to tackle after another, but this is all amongst breakdowns and feeling like, you know, bouts of really, really deep depression where I feel like it will never get better and saying things like this will never get better and needing somebody in my life to be like, David, this is like the 10th time I've heard you say that in the 10 years I've known you, you know, it will get better and somebody to remind me of that. So I think that's important to keep in mind. Like, I feel like I'm at a point now where I'm really thankful that I've got it pretty well under control, very well managed. But like, if you were to look at where I'm at now as a success story of battling depression, that's after, you know, what, 15 years now of figuring it all out and of very non-linear challenges to work through it. Your support network, it sounds like that's been an incredible strength in your path to understanding and learning um, about depression and what does and doesn't work for you. And I'd love to get a feel of how individuals or any advice you have for individuals that may not have that network uh, or feel like there's that support to building that. I have something I was thinking about before we jumped on today um, that specifically ties into that. So um, as I was kind of thinking through the question of like, um, you know, you had sent over, over some sample questions to, to get me thinking before we talked today. And I was thinking through like, <clears throat> just kind of how, how I've worked through a lot of this. And the thing that kept popping into my head was the thought of like, you've just, you've got to do what you can do when you can do it. So what I mean by that is that there are days where I can, ju I just can't do that much. For example, I've been sick for like the last almost three weeks, which is unheard of for me. I get sick maybe once a year. And when I do, it's like a few days, you know, I take, I take really good care of myself and, and I have a decent immune system. So <clears throat> I'm accustomed to being sick for a few days. It's relatively mild. It passes. Um, I work out a lot. It's a big part of my life. So when I get sick, it really upends a lot for me. It's harder to sleep. It's harder to work out. Those two things make it harder to sleep, harder to have energy to do these other things, right? Um, so <clears throat> just literally a, a couple hours ago, I texted my parents who live here in Florida close by. And I told them, like, I'm really reluctant to ask for this. I'm frankly, even a little bit embarrassed. But is there any way you guys could come over just for an hour, hour and a half sometime this week and just help me get my house in order? It's a mess. It's a disaster. I don't like clutter. I don't like living in a space where I just I can't think or relax or focus because everything's such a mess. And I've just I've been so sick the last two and a half weeks that I just have not been able to keep up with it. 
And the first, I'd say week, week and a half, I, I was really good about living to what I just said of like, look, you're sick, you're completely run down. If you can't, you know, keep things how you would normally want it, that's okay. You know, nobody, including yourself should expect any more of you. Um, and I'm, I'm usually quite good about sticking to that where it's like, when I feel really great, let's do some really great things. And when I don't feel so great, let's make sure that I keep up with the minimum, you know, don't miss work. If you can help it, don't, don't, you know, screw up your job. Um, because of one bad day, you know, if you have a really important call or a really important meeting and it's going to be really hard to show up for that, but you know, that that's really important to your job being successful. Um, and, uh, your job is really helpful to you feeling fulfillment and fulfilling value. Like you've got to show up for that, but otherwise, you know, if you've got leeway with your boss and with your job, like give yourself a little bit of slack when things are not going as well. And the hard thing with this is like the only person who knows how much slack you can and should give yourself is yourself. You know, it's helpful to have people around you that know you well, that when you maybe are making too many excuses for yourselves, yourself, they'll push you. And the inverse as well, if they know that you're pushing yourself harder than you really should right now, they'll tell you to slow down. Um, but ultimately, you've got to get good at doing really honest assessments of what you can give today, this hour, this minute, and maintain, figure out what the minimums are, the most important relationships, the most important pieces of your life that keep you functioning. Don't let those slip. Everything else can slip by temporarily while you're struggling. And then when you're doing really great, you can go chase those things down. That's been, I think, one of the biggest things that depression made me learn. Because I, being type A, I was just like chasing everything all the time. And it felt great. It was rewarding. I had what felt like limitless energy socially, um, physically, and otherwise. And it was awesome. Uh, frankly, if you're like crazy type A, life is pretty easy. It was for me, at least. And it seems that way for most people I know that still are, even as adults, it's much more difficult when you're more introverted or you have less energy or less motivated to motivation to pursue some of the things that you're interested in, or if that motivation fluctuates all the time. So what I've had to do is like, yeah, just when I feel great, let's chase those things. So in terms of the network of people um, and how you can build that up, it is difficult if you're in a place where it's been six months and you just haven't felt any relief and any reprieve. And you've got to spend your money and your focus on bettering yourself. Um, seek medical help, please. Like th therapy, combination of therapy and medication can go just so far. Even if it's a placebo effect where maybe the, the medication isn't doing that much for you and hopefully it does, but even if it isn't, let yourself believe that it is. Like that goes a really long way, um, but start getting yourself help. And then on the days where you feel good, let yourself take on more and do more. Um, reach out to the people that you care about that you think could be, you know, good support people um, in your network and be supportive towards them. You know, build that rapport, build that back and forth, that relationship. And anybody who <clears throat> is not providing value to you, despite you doing your best, best to provide value to them, cut them out of your life. Like pretty quick. Don't hold on. Even if you feel like the number of people in your life is relatively small, Having one person you're really close with who you guys understand each other and you provide each other what you need for each other is way better than having 10 people who give you 5% of what you need or 10% of what you need. And over time, you'll find more people that are like that. And you'll find the people that, you know, you have 60, 70% compatibility with. And, you know, that's great. And then you'll still have that one or two, you know, people that you're even closer with. You're closer to the 90%, 95%. But 
it's just important to give what you can when you can, and when you can't, just focus on maintaining so that you don't lose, uh, you know, progress with some of the things that long term, like a career, like a job, you know, give you the income you need to survive, literally. Um, but just boil it down to the essentials and and go from there. Does that ever lead to burnout in a way? Like, because I know, for instance, in my life, like this idea of doing what you can when you can is sometimes I push too hard when I have that, where I have the energy, have the um, kind of drive to get some of that stuff done. And I know that I'm going to have my down moments. Um, and sometimes I worry that maybe I push myself too hard when I can do those things. Is that something you've encountered? Do you have any kind of flags for when it's like, okay, I've done what I need to do anymore will be detrimental? Yeah. <clears throat> A couple of thoughts there. One is that I think where people screw up, myself included, speaking from experience, when you feel great, you start pushing, you get all this momentum going, and then you hit a wall of some kind for whatever reason. And all of a sudden, the next day you wake up and you go, this thing I was so excited about and I was really pushing for, now I just don't really care about, or I just don't have the energy or the motivation to do it. And now I feel like a piece of shit because look at where I was yesterday compared to today. And you can really start to Look at those things side by side when that person yesterday versus today is not the same person. Things have changed. Expectations should change. So <clears throat> for myself, I got super excited about starting a podcast and I did and I did several episodes and I loved it. And then I had personal shit come up that just drained my energy for it. And I had a, a podcast that was just so awesome and I loved it and I had technical issues with it that effectively have ruined that file for me. And I was just so defeated at the thought of like that conversation is, you know, for the most part kind of lost and you can never, you know, re-record it and, and get it back again. And it was really defeating. And for the, you know, few weeks after that, kind of those two things, some personal stuff, plus that episodes file, you know, just getting messed up, had me feeling like really defeated about that. And I, I kept wanting the same level of energy and enthusiasm for my podcast as I had before, and it just wasn't there. And I, you know, felt crappy about it. But the reality is, is like, things changed for me. And like, even if it's months before I get back to doing more podcasting, which I genuinely love, I know that I will when the time is right, and I'm ready to tackle that again. But until then, I'm going to let myself forget about it. And like, I spent a lot of money, I invested a lot of time and money into the equipment, into the knowledge on how to do all of this, and get it all set up. I'm not going to let myself worry, feel like I need to take advantage of that equipment because I spent this money on it or I spent all this time researching it and getting it set up, blah, blah, blah. Guess what? That'll be there tomorrow, a month from now, a year from now. It's not going anywhere. Recently, I've experienced the same thing with food and cooking for myself um, exclusively, you know, with being separated <clears throat> from my wife. It's like I've overbought food at the store because I didn't understand like this is too much. I can't make and eat all of this in a week. And I've had to throw out food, which is like, I hate doing that so much. But I'm like, look, this is a learning thing. I've got to give myself some grace, give myself some leeway here. I'll learn from it. But I also told myself, I was like, this will happen for the rest of my life. I will not always get this exactly right. And I will waste money buying groceries that I never end up using. And that will happen. But I'm, but like, we just get so wrapped up in some of those things. And I forget that like, I'm a really good person. I, I try really hard with the people I'm around me to be a positive influence in my life. And at the end of the day, like what matters more that I spend my energy and attention on perfectly making sure I don't waste a dollar on like 
broccoli and rice versus making sure that I have the energy and the capacity to like show the people around me that I care and be there for them if they're really struggling. It's the latter, like always. And I shouldn't beat myself up myself up over wasting $20, you know, every couple of weeks at the grocery store. Instead, it's like, look at me going out, teaching myself how to cook, how to take care of myself. I'm, I'm saving money by not eating out all the time. Like, but our brains just, they ignore that and they just go, yeah, but look at the money you wasted, you know? Um, even though I'm sure the dollars add up to me still saving money, plus learning, pushing myself, teaching myself. So when, when those times of high motivation and stuff subside, hold yourself to a different standard and don't expect yourself to be able to continue doing those things. I do think though, there is some merit to, I think what you're getting at a little bit, which is you don't want to kill your excitement when things are going well, you know, people, especially when you go through depressive episodes or big ups and downs, which I certainly do. I went through a period of a couple of years where I remember telling my wife, I was like, I'm feeling myself getting back, feeling good. And I want to start like being hopeful and starting to take on more. But I'm like, the disappointment every time this happens is so crushing when things start to slip that I want to just not let myself get excited, not be hopeful. And very, very quickly, as I let myself start slipping into that mindset, I found that I was never excited, hopeful really genuinely happy, carefree, which are things that I would say typically are characteristics of mine when things are going well. Uh, I can be very enthusiastic, et cetera. Temporary bouts of hopefulness, excitement, enthusiasm for life are so incredibly important to remember the zest and the reason why you keep going. Like you have to let yourself feel those things. I think what is important is not to take on big projects are unlikely to be able to get done and that will leave you in some type of a hole, whether it's an emotional hole, an energy hole, you know, burnout wise, a financial hole. And then you really do start to create like a downward spiral for yourself. Take things on in moderation or smaller things. You know, like if you're like, I want to remodel my whole house, you know, and you're feeling great, maybe start with like, you know, your closet, you know, or something small <laughs> and make sure that that gets done and create some momentum for yourself. Like, cool, I got this done. Now I want to remodel my whole room and you get it halfway done and then things slip and you're like, yeah, but remember how I remodeled my closet and that felt awesome. Like, cool. I'll get back to this the next time that I'm feeling great. So again, you have to know yourself and, and have a balance, but just, I would say like, don't ever shy away from feeling really enthusiastic, positive emotions. Just remember that like, you want to have a, a measured approach to taking on too much for sure. At the end of the day, like, and this gets back to something I mentioned earlier about just happiness. Like the only thing that matters is to be happy. And for me, the way that I like wrap that up is not be selfish, indulge. It's not that happiness is much more complicated than that. But an exercise I've been doing for the last um, year or two is any decision that I need to make. I ask myself, like, what will make me the happiest? And the reason I say it's an exercise is because it's typically more than just do I want chicken or do I want pork? You know, it's like, should I stay at this job or leave this job? Should I stay in this relationship or leave this relationship? And those are much more complicated um, questions to try to come to the right answer to. But if you really focus on serving yourself first and what you need first, everything else follows. And there are caveats. If you've got kids, if you are in a committed relationship, you've got to be mindful of those other people. But you can't care for those people if you are a mess yourself. Or you can for a short period of time, but you can't forever. Everybody will burn out um, if they're not taking care of their own needs. And 
to be frank with you, like everybody needs to adopt a perspective of like, screw everybody else if they are not, uh, if they don't have my best interests at heart, like literally screw you. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to see you. I don't want you in my life in any way. And there's a big difference between somebody who does not have your best interests and somebody who is just not as invested as you'd like them to be, right? Like there are people that I'd love more time and attention from, and they just aren't as interested in me. And I'm not going to say screw them. I'm going to love them and support them however I can. I just happen to care about them more than they care about me. And that's okay. There are people that the inverse is true too. They care about me more than I care about them, frankly. That's okay. But the people who are holding you back, the people who are like, you know, I don't know, don't go to therapy. Don't, you know, figure this stuff out. Like just suck it up. Like any of those stereotypical things, but you know, that's, that's getting specific into the mental health things, but other things too, people at your job that might be like, you can't do this. You're not that smart. Like anybody who is not building you up, get them out of your life as soon as possible. And I think that people do better um, at doing that with some of the less personal things, you know, most people, if they have somebody in their life and they're an adult and that person is like, you're an idiot and you're not smart. Like most people, by the time they're 30 are like, this isn't a good influence and I'm going to minimize my time with you. But then when it comes down to taking care of themselves, like, especially in their mental health, and this is the question you're getting at, we have a harder time. And stereotypically, especially as men to be like, yeah, uh, I can cry. I can let out my emotions. I can emotionally process something as opposed to just bottling it up and stuffing it down so that my kids and my wife and my friends and other family don't see. And like, to be honest with you, that is something that I'm just the last couple of years starting to fully uncork myself. I thought that I was incredible at it for a long time, but it's funny, just recently talking with my therapist and also with my uh, you know, wife that I'm separated from now, both of them have helped me see that I do tend to take on more than I ask of the people around me. And I have a hard time. Like I told my story just earlier today about texting my parents and I was embarrassed and very reluctant to ask them for help because I was like, I should be able to get my house together. I should be able to do this. I should be able to do this. Um, I shouldn't have been so reluctant to text them and ask them for help. For me, maybe this is an excuse that I'm making, but I think that I have learned that because historically I have been able to take on more than the people around me because outside of my depression, um, I typically am like very confident and pretty happy. And like, I've been successful. Um, I, things have gone well for me overall, much better. And I've had a much better upbringing than almost anybody that I know. So I felt like it's a little bit of sort of my duty to take on more because I have been given so much. I've been really lucky in a lot of ways, but something I'm really working on right now is like, okay, but when you've been sick for three weeks and you just have not been capable of keeping up with your house and you need this to be in a better place for you to really recover fully, you have people that have, I've, my parents have literally been like, if you need anything while you're sick, tell us, you know, I had to go to the ER. I was like coughing up blood. And my mom was so upset that like, I didn't call her to come with me, you know, but I was like, I don't want to waste your time. Like, I want to take up your day. She's retired. She doesn't, you know, she's, she's busy, but she doesn't do anything. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, she would have loved, yeah. she would have, I, it's so funny, right? Because I want the opportunity to help other people. I want other people to ask me for help because I would love to help them. And yet I don't do the same thing in return. And that's what you're getting at. And, and that's where I want to share like my own 
struggle with that of like, I need to be better about that. But I think it's just like, when we shift our, when we can take ourselves out of seeing it just from our ourselves and think like, if somebody else was looking in at me, how would I see that? So with the example I just shared, if I was my mom, my dad, my, my brother, my sisters, and like, you know, I was them and I knew that Dave me needed help with something, I would want him to let me know because I would want the opportunity to help him. Um, and instead, I just see it from the historical, like, you know, male perspective and, and women too, but of like, no, I should tough it out, deal with it myself, not burden other people, et cetera. And like, we just, we can't screw around with that, especially when it comes to our mental health, because the stakes are literally life and death, like suicide for men, the rates are so high. And being somebody who has been suicidal many times in my life, like I know how high the stakes are uh, personally. And so especially if anybody is at a point where they feel themselves even slipping remotely close towards that, which hopefully you get help long before you get to that point. But I promise you, people want to have you in their lives, even though when you get depressed, you think the opposite and everything about your brain starts to go the opposite way. They do. And that was the biggest thing. And then I'll wrap up my thoughts here. That was the biggest thing that my mom did for me in high school was that she didn't guilt me into not pursuing more suicidal ideations, but she helped me in a very loving way recognize that it would be really tough for her and a lot of other people if I was gone. And it's a fine line to walk. Somebody in a situation where they're in a really dark, unstable mental place, an emotional place, you know, you might, guilt could be a trigger for them. So if you're like, you're going to make my me really sad if you're gone, that might be a trigger for them and a catalyst for them to want to end their own life or just push them darker into a place of, or deeper into a place of depression. But she did a good job of coming at it from a place of love. I remember one particular conversation, just her breaking down when I told her for the first time that like, I was feeling suicidal. And she was just like, I could not imagine if you were gone, like my life would be so much less meaningful. Um, <clears throat> and that has had a lifelong impact on me since then. And I've tried to help anybody else who I know is struggling know that like my life would be more sad and less fulfilled if they were gone. Even if they continued to be depressed and I had to help them a lot, I would still rather have them in my life and be like dedicating a lot of my time and energy to helping them. I'm still happier like that than if they were gone entirely. If you could sum up your message um, kind of over what we've talked about this last this last hour um, into like a 10, 15 second quick bit, like what would that message be? It gets better. For real, it, it always gets better, man. And like our brains are so messed up. They make us feel like it won't. And they tell us all these crazy things, even if nobody else is telling it to us. We tell ourselves like, this is how it's going to be forever. This is my life or this is my doing. I deserve this, like all these kinds of things. And you start to feel despair and despair just like creates this downward spiral. But like, I think the thing that helped me build resiliency almost more than anything was going through 50 depressive episodes, you know, or 80 or however many it's been and feeling like it will never get better. And it always got better. 
and like there are extreme environmental circumstances that can make it difficult for things to get better but that's that's pretty uncommon things will get better you will age if if you have a crappy childhood home you'll grow out of it you'll get to be on your own at some point if you're in a crappy relationship like eventually you two will split and you'll find somebody better if you are just unbelievably stressed about money and you just can't seem to get by eventually you will get a better job or something will change where you will be able to see success there like but sometimes it takes months sometimes it takes years sometimes it does take a long time it gets better is there anything that you felt like we should have covered or that you wanted to cover that we didn't? I don't know what you have in mind in terms of like resources for people, but um, I'd love, you know, for people to have access to me in any way. Um, my email, my phone number, yeah. my LinkedIn, whatever. Like I, there are people that say like, you know, reach out anytime. And some people mean it. And I think some people don't. And I really do. If anybody wants help with anything, um, if I can't help you, I will tell you. But like, there's no shame in reaching out. Like, Hey, can you help me become like a professional cat groomer? Like, no, I probably can't. I'm not an expert in that. Okay. <laughs> but like, you know, anything that I can help somebody with, like I will. Um, and if I can, then I'll try to help them find somebody who can. Um, and I, I really genuinely mean that. So, you know, however, however I can help with a community aspect or, you know, being available to somebody I'd love to. Yeah. And if, um, feel free to kind of share. I don't know what uh, particular medium you want to use for contact, but feel free to share whatever uh, you feel would be helpful for others if they want to reach out, contact you, as well as I know you talked about um, your own podcast. And while maybe not something at the moment that's happening, something in the future that you mentioned you want to get back to, um, feel free, like throw out, how can they um, find more out about that as well? Yeah, that's on Spotify. It's called Deep Chats with Dave. Um, I talk a lot about mental health. I've shared a lot of what I've talked about today. I've shared on that podcast as well, but with other people. So getting their perspectives, um, you know, my, my uh, now separated wife and I, Stephanie, we talk about some of our journey and some of the good and the bad. Some of my, I've, both of my siblings, both my sisters have, have been on, we've talked about stuff, um, but it's a lot about anxiety, depression, mental health struggles and, and sharing a lot of that. And so, yeah, I would love for people, if, if that can be helpful to them, um, you know, feel free to check that out and, and reach out to me, you know, LinkedIn, email, whatever, uh, David Tuttle, but I, I, yeah, I just, more people need to get help with this. And I feel like I'm at a place where I can give. And so I'd love to. Dave, really appreciate you coming on and talking through some of this stuff and, and sharing your experiences around topics that are, you know, they can be a little difficult for, for some people to open up with. And you've been, been very willing and thanks so much for hopping on. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Ian. Thank you for listening into this podcast episode. Really appreciate the time that you've taken to hear this story. And, and my hope is that you'll find the value and share that with others. Um, my ask this week is... My ask this week is to think on somebody that you can reach out to that may be struggling or maybe they're not struggling. Um, maybe just check in on them because I feel like you never do know what somebody's going through and the impact that that can have on an individual where somebody reaches out and just lets them know like, hey, I care about you. want to know how you're doing. Let me know if there's anything I can do to help. Um, for me personally, I've had a couple of individuals that have reached out over these past couple months, and I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but just having the opportunity to tell somebody what you're going through can be immensely helpful in the depths of that struggle. 
So that's my that's my challenge for y'all. If there's somebody that's come to mind as you've listened to this or as you hear this request, uh, reach out to them, see how they're doing, and we'll catch you on the next episode.